So this morning, as you can probably tell, we're continuing our sermon series on the invitations that we hear from Jesus in the Gospels. These invitations that he gives provide opportunity for us to learn more about who Jesus is, about following him, what that's all about, about placing a priority on God's plan for our lives and his purpose for our lives over our own, about finding rest and peace that only he can give if we only say yes to his invitation. These things we experience, the life-giving gifts that, that come from, from knowing Jesus and that he gives us are so precious, we shouldn't want to keep them to ourselves. We should want to share them with others so that they can come and see, follow, deny, and rest to find their meaning and fulfillment in Jesus. So today we're going to look at Jesus' invitation to come and fish, to become fishers of people. Now, unfortunately, this concept or this thing, is the, the idea of fishing for people, often gets conflated with a certain form of evangelism that, that is not really attractive. But as we see in our lesson today, the invitation to come fish is really an opportunity to draw people to Jesus through love so they can experience what we have in him. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity here to open your word. God, speak through me, speak through your Holy Spirit, and may, your, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear now God's word. One day Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, Row out a little farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
I don't know about those of you here that like to fish. I know that some of the kids raised their hands, said that they like to fish. And I'm sure, I know we've got some anglers in here. But for me, being lakeside or being on the water in a kayak or a boat first thing in the morning is just such a peaceful time. That stillness and the quiet is just a wonderful reprieve from the busyness of everyday life and of the world. And I imagine Jesus was probably enjoying a bit of quiet and a moment of quiet for himself as we see him in our opening verse of the scripture, standing by the lake. Now, we know it's probably morning because we see the fishermen are in on shore mending and cleaning their nets. Because you see, fishing was usually done in the cool of the night then because the fish were closer to the surface of the water. The water was cooler at the top, so they, they would be closer where you could reach them with a net. And then as the day came, morning came, and the temperature rose, the water got warmer, the fish would go deeper into the water where it was cooler. And it made it difficult to catch them with a net when they did that. Now, I'm sure the fishermen were probably sitting around talking about their catch or lack of while they were working on their nets and enjoying a bit of peaceful and, and peace and quiet that morning too. But as we see right away, the peacefulness of the morning was soon broken as a crowd started gathering, wanting to hear a word from Jesus. As he almost always does, Jesus obliges. To ensure everyone can hear him because he's kind of pushed up on the shoreline there, everybody crowding in on him, it was kind of hard for all of the people that were gathered there to hear him. So he asked Peter to row out in his boat a little way offshore so that his voice would project and the, Peter, the people could hear him better. Now, we don't really know what Jesus taught. The, the scripture doesn't expound on the, his words or how long he spoke, but it was probably a good while because Jesus, when he finishes, turns to Simon and says, row out a little farther into the deep water and cast your net for a catch. Of course, Peter, being a seasoned fisherman, probably looked at Jesus and like, you're crazy. It's late in the day. There's no way we're going to catch fish out here this time of the day. They had already worked hard the night before and didn't catch anything. What makes him think that they're going to catch something now? But he says, because you say so, I'll do it. It's a reluctant faith, but a faith all the same. And the result is a huge catch of fish. So much so that the, the nets are strained, we're told, to hold the fish. And Peter had to call for James and John to come over and help because he was running out of room in his boat to put the fish in. Of course, Peter then, in amazement, tells Jesus, Go away, I'm a sinner. But really, he's not saying for Jesus to leave. It's Peter recognizing his lack of faith and his doubt. And I can imagine Jesus was smiling and probably even laughing as the fishermen were struggling to get the fish into the boat. And as they come into shore, he gives them the invitation to no longer fish for fish 
but fish for people. They RSVP right away by leaving everything, including, we can assume, the fish that they just brought in and followed Jesus. So that invitation to fish for people is also given to us. We see it in the great commandment found at the end of Matthew's gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations. So I want to look at three things about this invitation to fish for people. One, why should we fish? Two, how should we fish? And three, where do we fish? First of all, let's talk about why we should fish. Fishing for people is part of being a Christian, as, as we hear in the Great Commission there. But of course, it's a metaphor. Like we are talking about in the kids' time, we're not talking about hooking people with a, <clears throat> with a real hook. Excuse me. We draw others to Christ. Now, interestingly enough, we take a moment. the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea. We see it a short time later in Genesis in the story of Noah and the flood when Noah brings his family into the ark as protection against the flood. We see it in Jonah. Jonah is safe in the boat until he admits to who he is and what he's doing and the sailors throw him overboard. We see it in the Gospels with the disciples when they're in the boat and the sea is raging around them. So we see the boat as being a place of safety, but when we think about it, it's counterintuitive, right? We're bringing fish into the boat. That's not very good for the fish. They can't live outside of the water. Fishing, you see, is detrimental to fish, but... Interestingly enough, when we fish for people, it's for their benefit. Because you see, when we draw people to Christ, they are entering into that life-giving relationship that Jesus brings, the life that he gives that is full and abundant. So why would we not want others to experience that? We tell others about amazing restaurants and favorite places to shop and where to go for the best bargains, why wouldn't we tell others about what Jesus offers? So that's why we should fish. Now let's look at how we should fish. Now, fishing for fish, as we again mentioned in the, the kids' time, involves a bit of attraction and deception. We, uh, you use natural bait like worms or crickets or minnows or you use some type of artificial lure that attracts the fish because it mimics something the fish would eat or it smells. The goal is to trick the fish into taking the bait or the lure and thus getting hooked on the hook. Not something we really want to do to people, right? 
You ever been in a situation like that where you felt like you're being deceived when you're being hooked into something? Not a very pleasant feeling, is it? So when we are fishing, we want to notice that in this story, fishing didn't involve hooks and deception. It involved nets. Because you see, nets draw the fish into the boat. They're caught up in the net. So when we fish for people, our goal should be to draw people to Jesus using God's love as a net to, so that they are caught up in it and are attracted to what God offers. So what are some types of nets that we can use? There are four examples I want to give, but this is not exhaustive by any means. First example I want to talk about is the net of neighboring. Now, we talk about that a lot here at BCR. By being a neighbor, we show God's love to those that live around us, taking time to get to know them, helping them when they're in need. It may be that a neighbor has had surgery and they need their yard mowed, so you go mow their yard for them. Or you see a couple that lives down the street that has small children, and the couple is just exhausted because they haven't had time to get away from themselves. So we offer to keep the children for a night or a weekend so that the couple can get away for a while. Or it could just be simply taking a welcome gift to new neighbors that move into our neighborhood. Or it may just be a simple cookout, inviting everyone over. Sure, neighboring is not hard, but it does take a little effort and a little sacrifice. But I can guarantee you that the sacrifice and the cost greatly, the, the rewards greatly outweigh any cost you may incur. And you never know what kind of impact that may have on someone to draw them to Christ by showing them Christ's love. The second net is our witness. Now, by witness, I'm not necessarily talking about overt evangelism like we talked about. I see witness here being the meaning behind 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to defend it. We should live in a way where it makes it obvious that we're followers of Christ, so others are drawn to want to find out more and ask us, what is this hope that you have? Why are you so calm? Why are you happy? So, this is speaking directly to our behavior. Does what we do reflect what we believe as Christians? Now, this is a hard one for me. I've got to check myself constantly with this one. And a good example of that is I have a magnet that has the church's name on the back of my truck. And undoubtedly, I'm driving down 401, trying to get turned out or trying to get turned around or just trying to get anywhere. And invariably, a driver does something that is not very pleasing to me. 
Now, I have a choice of how I react. And I have to stop and think that I've got the name of the church on my bumper. What happens if I react in an unchristian way? What kind of message does that send about my church? But even more importantly, if I claim the name of Christ and I act in an unchristian way, what does that say about my Christ and my Christianity? Would my action or reaction serve to draw people to Christ or repel them? I try to be very conscious about this in, in every situation, and I can promise you I'm not very successful. Well, I would say not very successful. I'm not always successful, as Missy will tell you. The third net is just simple invitation. This is the beautiful example of this one is, is when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well. What does she do? She immediately runs home and she tells everybody she meets, come and see a man who has told me everything that I've done. Just the excitement that you feel in that. Come and see what I have seen and experienced. So too, we draw others to Christ by inviting them to experience him in places like VCR, in our B3 groups, in our small groups, in our men's and ladies groups, in our Sunday fun day, and all of the different things that we do here at church. It is through the invitation that we draw others to experience Jesus in a real and life-changing way. Now, fourth net, the last net, is our offerings. When we give of our tithes and our offerings, that goes to support ministries and missions that cast nets where we may not be able to personally. And we'll talk about those a little bit more in, in just a bit. So we know why we should fish, how we should fish. Now, where do we fish? Now, fishers, uh, fishers will often use guides to kind of help them find the best fishing spots, right? And a good guide knows exactly where to go to give you the best opportunity to, cast, uh, to catch a fish. Not only that, but they can even tell you where to cast your line. Our fishing guide as Christians is the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, it says, Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel this overwhelming need to, you need to act, you need to say something to someone, or you need to do something for someone that you see is in need? It's, it's likely that's the Holy Spirit nudging you, saying, cast your net. Let down your net. Just like Peter needed the help of James and John, so too we need the help of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we can choose to think of ourselves as like Peter, where he thought he knew better because he was an expert fisherman. And we could simply say, ah, you know what, somebody else will come along that's better suited for this. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't have time for this. I'm running late. 
or I know I should really give this person some money, but I, I really need that money for my lunch today. Or we can listen to our guide and cast our net. Our guide also directs us to the ponds where we fish, which we see in the latter part of Acts 1.8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now this is an ever-expanding geographic list. So you start in Jerusalem, you work your way out to Judea, Samaria, and then the end of the earth. So if we look at what that means to us geographically, it might make a little more sense. Jerusalem is the area where the disciples were living. So for us, this pond might be our neighborhoods, our communities, our places of work and school and the businesses that we frequent each day. Think about how many people you encounter in your Jerusalem pond. When you go to the store, when you stop at the gas station, when you're riding the bus to school, you start to add it up, and that's a lot of people. And each of these encounters is an opportunity to cast God's, the net of God's love in some way or another. So we then expand out to Judea, and this is a broader area. So this might be like our cities and our counties and our state. And as we participate in the ministries here at church, we, we then begin to impact and cast nets not only immediately here in Roseville, but in the surrounding areas. And through our offerings, that extends out to our district, to our conference. So we cover a much broader area. Samaria, further out, we could see this maybe like, again, using our offerings as an example, giving to uh, part of our, our offerings go to the United Methodist Church to support its broader ministries. For example, UMCOR. We just had the storm blow through, and it's a stark reminder that we sit in a very precocious area for storms. The UMCOR is the United Methodist Committee on Relief that responds in times of disaster, bringing aid and comfort to people who are suffering during an emergency like that. Their presence brings the gift, uh, brings the love of Christ to others in times of suffering and struggle. In fact, volunteering to go on one of these mission trips is another way you can cast your net. If you've never gone on a disaster relief trip, I highly encourage it if you get the opportunity. It will change life. I can speak to that firsthand, being my very first mission trip I ever went on was down through Diabraville, Mississippi on the Gulf a year after Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, and I saw what true suffering was all about. And it was also there that I first felt the call to ministry. So the last of our ponds is the end of the earth. So I guess for us that would be Fuquay Verena, right? Um, the world. That is our missionaries. And again, we support them through our offerings. Our missionaries cast nets of God's love into places that we might never be able to reach or be able to go. 
come and fish. The invitation can be kind of scary if we have some kind of preconceived notion of what it means or requires, but as we've seen, it's just simply an invitation to cast God's love, to extend God's love to people so that they are caught up in it and want to come to Christ. We fish for people so that they may come to have that life-changing experience in Christ that we have encountered. We fish for people not with bait or hooks, but with nets of love through neighboring, witness, invitation, and our offerings. And we have plenty of ponds from which to fish. We simply have to listen to our fishing guide, the Holy Spirit, when he says, cast your net. If we all accept this invitation, it wouldn't be our nets bursting with people, but our churches, and more importantly, the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.